HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. With more than 30 weekly podcasts, HRN has something for every food lover. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. Bank. I am Chapriwan. And this is Agave Road Trip, the critically acclaimed award-winning podcast that's been running for three years, and it's helped Green Gex bartenders better understand agave, agave spirits in rural Mexico. So I first of all apologize for everybody that has had the unfortunate experience of listening to us for three full years. I really <laughs> hope this is the first episode anybody's listening to. There you go. So I think, Chava, to celebrate three years, we should take our three years of road trip experience and lay it out in a single episode. You mean uh, how to the, the the house, the do's and don'ts, the trips and tips, the the rules of the road trip. As if we had any rules. But okay, oh, we've got a lot that, of rules. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So okay, I mean I, we I, break I, them all the time, but we got a lot of rules. I, I'm just a counterpuncher in this episode, so you go ahead, you throw them, and I will say if I believe it's a fortunate rule or an unfortunate rule. Fair. Okay. So let's start off with like when you go on the road trip, what kind of car you're renting? How do you get the car right? So wait, 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 wait. do you want to rent a what? car? Of course, I'm going to rent you, a car. What you else don't would you own do? a car? What? You don't own a car? We don't have a car for a government road trip. <laughs> no, we do not have a car. Oh. We don't have a car. We don't have the helicopter. We don't have the jetpacks. <laughs> you know, like renting a car can be one of the hardest things I find in Mexico for certain places, but not for all places. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I started renting from Avis in Mexico City, and now I won't fly anywhere else except Mexico City because I have a system that works. Mm. Right? Does it? Well, most of the time it works. Like, so you you, you rent from Avis, uh, you pay online ahead of time using the U.S. site, not the Mexico site, and you show up and generally they, at Mexico City, generally they have what you've you've rented. But, but you know, so we, we, we sent a call out to some of our, our agave road trippers and mm-hmm. asked them for their tips. And, 
You know, it's funny. One of the first ones I got in was from Craig Thompson. You know, Craig? Yeah. Yep, yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. Yeah. So let's let's run his advice. Please. Hello, this is Craig Thompson, and I've been visiting Mescaleros in Mexico for about six years now. And I think the main piece of advice I would give uh, to people going out to visit these wonderful people is, first of all, if you really don't know who you're visiting or where you're going, hire a guide. Oaxaca City has especially has many good guides. I've used several and they will have personal relationships, uh, with the Mescaleros. They'll speak Spanish so they can translate for you. And, um, you'll have a wonderful time without having to worry about anything. Um, if your Spanish is good and if you know you were going, I definitely would not hire a car myself. I never do that. I would hire a driver. Again, they're, they're plentiful. Your hotel can probably find you one. Uh, and then if, uh, you know where you're going, you just have the driver go to that particular place. And, uh, if you speak Spanish, then you can have a great time. If you don't speak Spanish, then it's a little more difficult because there's very few Mescaleros who do speak English. Uh, so yes, either hire a driver or hire a guide. That's my main advice. So, okay. So that's, you know, and I get that. That's Craig's, that's how Craig approaches his road trips. That's how I wish we approach our road trips. Really? Yeah, of course. Like I, I always think that you driving all the time is not the mo the best of ideas. I think we just <laughs> and, should have a driver. Is that, why is that, Chava? Uh, because you you may uh, I I believe a lot of times you you're more confident that you should in the Mexican roads, <laughs> and you okay. will fully disagree with that. But that's just well, my perception. Well, so far it's been okay. The only time I got in an accident was when I listened to your advice. So anyway. <laughs> And in New York, what? and they had nothing to do with it. Oh, yeah. The New York one was crazy when I got hit by the bus. Yeah. That was hilarious. Anyway, mm -hmm. um, uh, so when you rent that car, always get a car that's got at least six inches in ground clearance, right? If you're going to mm -hmm. be doing any kind of back roads driving. Yes, because uh, you might be given a BMW Series 1 that it's pristine <laughs> and white, and the sound of how that gets scratched on the bottom, it's, it's just terrifying. So, yeah, I don't recommend that. Yeah, that's a, and that was an interesting change. On I think that was a Hertz rental. It was the last time we rented from Hertz where they did not have the vehicle that we had requested, and that's the option they gave us, which actually brings me to my next uh, rule of the road trip, which is when you get an option, and it happens pretty frequently, when you get an option for which vehicle you want, right, they'll mm -hmm. point to two different vehicles. I like to walk around those vehicles and take a look and see which one is most dinged up because the one that is most dinged up is going to have the most marks on that check check out sheet i guess ah, it would be look right at so, yeah so if you have additional dings that you add to it it's less likely they'll get noticed if it's on a vehicle that's already got a bunch of x's and o's on it right you, you, you know the rental places are listening to this episode right they uh, yeah sure yeah, nobody they... listens to these episodes <laughs> But anyways, okay, I like that one. Actually, I think that's smart. So congratulations on that one, senor. Thank you. Um, you know, one of the things that cracked me up uh, renting cars in Mexico is that not only do they walk you around the car to do that checkout sheet, but they always open the uh, the trunk and show you the spare tire. Well, of course. Are you just going to trust them? 
Well, in fact, most of the time in the U.S. when I when I take a rental car out, they don't walk me around the car. There's nothing like that. They certainly don't show you the uh, the spare Yeah, but you guys give your credit card to people at the restaurants and just leave it there behind the bar. You guys trust too much in the U.S. We, we are that's we are very we are known as very trusting people anyway so they they show you where it is but on a recent trip uh, uh on a recent trip we we got a car it was a very large vehicle but the rental i'm sorry the the spare tire was underneath the car not in the trunk okay okay and it happened to be one of the very rare times that a tire blew we were on our on the road to Ixcatlan, middle of nowhere in oaxaca yeah, and the tire blew, and uh, and and there were six of us in the vehicle, and not one of us could figure out how to actually access that that spare tire. We could see it, but we couldn't figure out how to get it off of the vehicle. Was that some sort of reality show contest? It were you kind of turned filmed. Yeah, it it turned into one. I think there's even somewhere on the uh, the, the the sacred page. I think there's even a, like one of those time lapse videos of us frustratingly trying to get this spare Good tire Lord. off and yeah get the, the thing fixed so my point is like either ask them to show you how to, if it's not obvious ask them to show you how to get it off of the car uh, or download the instructions so that if you find yourself in the middle of the nowhere in the middle of nowhere with no access to the internet you know how to get your spare tire off. very useful tip senor lu again congratulations well thank you for that <laughs> Let's talk about toll passes, Chava. The ones that work or the ones that doesn't work? Well, you can never tell, can you? Though I'll, I'll tell you, like, since I took... So so we've got this this toll pass from Mexico that's... How do you say it? I-A-V-E. How do you say that? Yave. Yave. Yeah, so which got, sounds like key. You know, so... Oh, yeah, words. they. Oh, yeah, that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's plain yeah. words. Yeah, yeah, very ingenious. Yeah. So it's weird in that you can only put two thousand pesos on at any given time, but two thousand pesos will get you pretty far in Mexico. Mm-hmm. And then you can top up any time at an OXO or at the pharmacies. But you know, but what we were finding initially when using it is it oh. came in this hard plastic shell <laughs> and and it would work maybe half the time, which would be frustrating when you're in that lane that only accepts it. And then they'll have to move the biggest oh. 18-wheeler that is behind oh. you because it wouldn't work. And yeah, that was pretty humiliating. I'll just I just kept telling people it's a gringo, it's a gringo, it's a gringo. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's sir, a it's Even a my passes are gringo. Yeah, he, do, he doesn't know better. Yeah. <laughs> but once we took that hard plastic off, everything was better. And still, it's there's uncertainty, right? And there's still uncertainty, but you know, it's. I'd say now we're working. I'd say ninety-five to ninety-nine percent of the time. Yeah, yeah, it's grand. Yeah, I think I think that's also a good tip. Are and, there you know, any of these tips not related to cars? We're getting there. In fact, <laughs> well, hey, I'm sorry. In I'm fact, sorry. the very. Oh no, no. Yeah, no. The very next one. There you go. Okay, so get cash. I tend to get cash anyway out of the ATM. Right. People are always asking me when they go to Mexico, should I uh, bring cash with me? And, you know, and it turns out sometimes your conversion rate's going to be better at your bank in the USA and you can bring some cash with you. But I'll tell you, I find it a lot easier just to take cash out of the ATM using my bank card. I let the bank know I'm headed down there so they don't freeze my account. Um, just and- cash on demand. Yeah. 
Yeah, cash on demand in pesos. And, you know, oftentimes the uh, the ATM will ask me at the end if I want the local bank to convert or I want my bank back in the USA to convert. And every single time that comes up, I find that I save about 15 to 20 percent by having my bank in the USA convert. So I decline the local conversion. Oh, wow. Okay. I, I, I definitely don't have that that problem. So, okay. That, that's oh. that's good to know. Yeah, I guess you wouldn't have that problem, <laughs> would you? Yeah, no, no. Okay, and you so, know, and I think we're gonna, just going to put all of these in the episode page because there's a lot here, um, and I think it it works as sort of a checklist for folks going on a road trip. But um, uh, so don't you don't have to take notes. You don't have to pull over your car and take <laughs> notes. But yeah, sure. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so water. One of the very first stops that I do every trip out of Mexico City is stop at that. It's not even an OXO. It's that fancy gas station on the toll road. That one with the amazing uh, little bottles of all kinds of spirits. Yeah, 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 yeah. They got the hot dogs going. Oh, it's so pretty. Um, So I like to stop there and grab just like a giant flat of one liter or one and a half liter uh, bottles of water so that I can stay hydrated but it's not it's not just for hydration well it's to be able to have uh packaging material for your spirits that you'll be acquiring during the trip yeah exactly so let's uh, i got a i got a quote from our uh, our friend dalton here from Megama Latte, Clean right dalton. the mescalero of the month club so i got one here from that relates to this so let's run that after maximum 3 bottles you need to start labeling your bottles what you purchased too many times you think you're going to remember but by the end of the day you have five six ten twenty bottles and realized you should have been labeling them as you went the exception to the rule anytime you put mescal into a full plastic water bottle that appears to look like water that should be labeled right away Right. So, okay. So we've had that, uh, that same problem where we just grab a bottle thinking that it's water and uh, you get a surprise. It's, I even made espresso with one of those bottles and it was, <laughs> it was one of the worst things that has happened to me in my life. Uh, yes. And you know, a trick that I just picked up from, uh, the Guerrero gang, uh, hmm. use a liquid paper marker. Oh, tell me. So, you know, how do you call those? Like liquid paper Liqu- pens? Liquid, liquid paper. Yeah. Yeah. Those are amazing because they will never be erased. You know, like it's it's very tiny, so you just yeah. can have it in your pocket, and they're great for marking the bottles. So oh, from now on, I'm actually oh. just mark I'm, because if you use a normal marker, well, you need tape, and then you need a marker. So these right. are two elements that if you run of out of one, you have to be thinking about them. If you just have the marker and you write on top of the plastic surface, <laughs> it's going to be gone. Like, I just think it, it adds next level of complexity. So just liquid paper pen. I love that. Yeah, I right? I love that. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's pro chip that I just got. Okay. And uh, and I'll add that to the notes. So I'll have to actually add it to my notes for the episode. But uh, the other thing, I want to run a, from our friend Sergio. From our Sergio. friend Sergio, it, it's Sergio, uh, Sergio from Ultramundo. Uh, I got a, a quote from him as well. Once you're at the OXO, buy sufficient one liter water bottles for your trip. I know this was already covered in another episode, but do not drink tap water in Mexico unless you want to die. 
And then keep these bottles to refill them with mezcal when you visit the distilleries. It is always nice to buy at least a liter or two at every distillery you visit, and you will save some extra plastic. Also get some electrolytes at the OXO. They are these electrolyte drinks that come in a very unique square bottles with blue caps and come in a dozen flavors. You might be drinking more than usual and eating a lot of delicious Mexican food that you might not be used to, and these guys could save your day. It won't hurt to also get some Imodium and Advil pills at the OXO, just in case. You can buy almost anything there at the OXO. OXO, sponsor me. Oh. What is Imodium? So Imodium is uh, if you have uh, what we like to call in the business explosive diarrhea. Um... Imodium, right? And I, I actually, like, I, I tend to, to travel with those activated carbon pills. Mm-hmm. which do the same thing, but it's, it feels, I don't know, it feels more old school to me. So it's just something in case you get explosive diarrhea. So no diapers, just 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 medicine. No, though, we'll get we'll get to the diaper thing pretty oh, shortly. Oh, okay. I'm getting very scared. Yeah, uh, you should. Yeah, which electrolyte, sure. Nobody's suggesting beers. I'm, I'm very surprised. Nobody's suggesting beer? Yeah. Why would you have to suggest beer? <laughs> you, well, know, just, uh, you know I get really annoyed with people that, with that, beers. Yeah, I know. Is this I know. why you're bringing it up? Because you want me to get annoyed? If you want to annoy Lou out of his, like, out of his mind, just, is, just buy is this, just Is this why you're drinking beer today? Maybe. <laughs> May, I'm eating pastries at the same time. Cheers. Pastries don't bother me. <laughs> I get so annoyed with it. And, you know what? And I find it's, it's so funny. Like, I'll be traveling with people who don't want to see any kind of factory making an industrial mezcal or tequila, and then they crack open their freaking Tecate. I'm sorry. What is that you're drinking? Sorry. Yeah, it's different. You're, you're, you're drinking a 12-ounce can of hypocrisy is what you're drinking. Oh, just, yeah, it's just, just the holidays. You know, it's the beautiful sun. You need, you need a good companion. Anyways, oh, sure. keep anyway. going, kid. Okay. Uh, so I also like to bring energy bars and or trail mix with me so that if, you know, you get the hunger pains, but you're on a mission to get somewhere on a certain time, you don't have to divert from the mission and sit down and wait I don't know why it takes 45 minutes to cook eggs in Mexico, but it does. Maybe it's a Because they do it with tender love, Lou. It's oh, not your ugly, love. ugly eggs that you find in the U.S. are made by a teenager that hates his work. These yeah, eggs fair. have been caressed. Anyways. Fair enough, yeah. <laughs> um, gas up. Gas up often. Gas up frequently. Gas mm-hmm. up when you see the opportunity to gas up because you might not see the opportunity again. A lot of the roads that we're on, right? You'll see, like, we'll be out in the middle of nowhere in the Mixteca. There's no gas station, and you'll start passing houses that that have that whole uh, uh, gas vende gasolina. How do they yeah, say it? Yeah, they they have gas for sale. Se vende gasolina, and I think that another really important thing is even if Google Maps tells you that there is a gas station in a very <laughs> small town where you're going, that is not a guarantee that they're going to have gas at that gas station, or that they're gonna have change for cash, or that they're gonna have a thing that's going to accept a card. So if you are in a bigger place and you have three-fourths of a tank, get that extra fourth. Just, just gotcha. get it. You, just get you know, it. It's easy. 
I'm glad you said that, actually, because I forgot when we were talking about cash that one of the things I wanted to, to emphasize was when you see the ATM, much as like when you see the gas station fill up with gas, when you see an ATM fill up with cash, because you're not going to see uh, Mescaleros, Mescaleras accepting uh, credit cards. Well, and it has changed a little bit. Now there's a few systems and, you know, some of the guys that take more. I mean, Lalo is taking credit cards. Felix Angel is taking credit yeah, cards. Yeah, you're, you're talking the exceptions now. Yes. No, no, and, I know, I know. So, And yeah. if you find yourself in the middle of nowhere and drinking something amazing, you're not going to want to have to drive two hours to get cash and go back, right? No, 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 yeah. no. I'm, yeah. Okay, so I fully agree with that as well, senorito. Cool. Okay, so, you know, one of the other things you have to be mindful of is in Mexico, uh, in most places in Mexico, they do not want you to flush your toilet paper in the toilet. Well, of course. What do you mean, of course? It's called toilet paper, Java. Yeah, it's used at the toilet. It doesn't mean that it goes <laughs> into the toilet. Well, in places in the USA, it does. But in places in Mexico... Wait a minute. This this, this explains why Connie won't let you stay in our house anymore. You understand what? you could have been putting the toilet paper in the toilet, right? <laughs> uh, I, I think, yeah, whatever. Okay. Uh, but yeah, okay. So, that, so, that so, is a, so that's a constant <laughs> thing. Yeah, just throw your freaking toilet paper into the trash can. Yes. Indeed. Right. And so, like, I started a long time ago... One once I, once I, it took me five years to figure out that I wasn't supposed to be doing what I was doing. So once I figured I was supposed to be putting it in the in the trash can, I started bringing, uh, picking up ass wipes down there, like the you know the kind that they use for babies. Mm -hmm, because you're still a baby, but still baby, but they make them like big size for for people with asses <laughs> as large as mine. For with, with big babies, okay. Big babies. Um, because I feel, A, I feel prettier uh, when I have something with aloe and vanilla on it that I can put into the trash can uh, as opposed to there's the toilet paper, number one. But number two, you're in the middle of the desert. Uh, that becomes an option uh, that makes life a lot uh, nicer as well. But... Our friend Ismael from Cruz de Fuego, Mezcal, Mezcal mm -hmm. Cruz de Fuego, right? Ismael had yet another piece of advice, so let's run the tape. So what, what Ismael is suggesting is that we use the butler. Do you know the butler? Uh, I know what the word butler means, yes. Well, no, 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 but it's not what it's with two T's. So it's literally a um, like a, a, a plastic water bottle. That you mm -hmm. fill up, but it has a little stem that comes out, and you squeeze it, and, and it becomes a like a travel bidet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a travel bidet. Yeah, that's a little bit too homoerotic for my taste, but... So so he's homoerotic. Jesus <laughs> Christ. It's, it's more like <laughs> masturbation, not homoerotic. Anyway. Now, so when I travel, I don't go anywhere without my own personal bidet. It's called a butler. It's uh, this plastic bottle that you squeeze and with pressure you clean your butthole after going to the bathroom, number two. In order for you not to use toilet paper, it's not only uh, a much option to uh, clean yourself, but it also it's uh, good for you because you're not using toilet paper to wipe your butt, which you can hurt yourself. Uh, it's easy to use. Uh, you can uh, use uh, nice warm water. And uh, since I started using it, uh, it made a huge difference uh, for me. Not only because you stay more clean, literally, but it uh, also helped me with uh, stomach problems. Uh, it changed 
uh, my life for me. Uh, I know it sounds uh, dramatic, but it's true. So I highly recommend it, and it's uh, easy to use. So, so, <laughs> so you're you're um, you can't you're speechless, Java. So, so Ismail was kind enough to send me one of these, and it took me a long time to wrap my head around using it. But I've been using it, and I gotta say, like it's not it's not as simple as it sounds, but boy, it's delightful. Uh, I'm I'm a huge bidet fan. So I, I just never are you really thought, yeah of course I, uh, when I was in Japan and uh, some of their places where I've been the I, I really think that it's again I think Western cultures in general were rather primitive and, and we're we're a bunch of brutes uh, mostly countries in the north uh, and I think that just why the be there it's not everywhere just reinforces my idea that we're brutes. So do you have one in your home? I, I, I've been doing my research to get one. Roy has one. <laughs> Roy has one. Roy, what do you think of it? There you go. <laughs> okay, so the next, we've got another another quote from Ismael, right? Like I, uh, that I'm going to run. Uh, so I actually don't like to listen to music when we're driving. And I very specifically don't for a couple of reasons. One, I think it can be distracting and you can miss things. Like well, while I'm paying attention to the music, I might miss something that indicates that uh, we just passed a Palenque or a Venata. So I don't I don't like to listen to it. And I also don't like to roll into a town and have them hear us show up with loud music. But Ismael uh, does like to listen to music. He just has one suggestion. Okay, let's hear it. When playing the radio or playing music, let the song finish before you change it to the next. No reggaeton music, period. No negotiable. So, I, I, I mean, you know, like, I, 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 I don't necessarily appreciate the artistic qualities of reggaeton, but I think that when you are six hours in a car and you're bored out of your mind, some reggaeton may help. <laughs> I actually, I think more about uh, his uh, advice to let the song finish, which I think goes back to his use of the butler. I think he's like our friend might be just a little, a little anal retentive. I have no comments on top of that. I love you, Ismail. Whatever this Batman is trying to say about you, I'll fight it back always. Okay, <laughs> next piece of advice is always carry a knife. What? Always like like a, like a butter knife? No, 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 no. Like I've I've been buying these really sharp handmade knives at the mercados, and specifically, like you can't you can't fly with them. You can check them in luggage, but I find you know you can buy one for five bucks, ten bucks, and I'll just leave it with somebody at the end of a trip. But what I like is to have that knife in case I run across a beautiful looking avocado, something that I want to be able to cut uh -huh. and eat, right? Well, you know, most restaurants do have knives at your disposal. If we happen to be in a restaurant, but if we just happen to be driving past a beautiful avocado tree. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think a sharp object, usually in a trip like this, is it's useful. You might yeah. want to have a pen cut to take home. 
There you, go. you might want to clean your teeth. You know, all of these <laughs> things uh, that a knife is good for. So, yes, take a shave. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, got it. Okay, and while we're talking about eating, I also would suggest that if you're like me and you're partial to stray dogs or even just even oh, the, no. the Palenque oh, pups no. or oh, the Maguey no, mutts, no, like no, carry no, hot dogs. No. Carry hot dogs no. with you so that you can feed all of those beautiful puppy dogs that hang out at the Oxos. I love that. But I'm going to flag this as the ultimate gringo thing. Like, I was having this conversation with a few people, and it's really interesting to me that people from the cities, they perceive dogs in a different way than how they're being perceived in towns. And a bunch of times, you might be feeding dogs that are not very welcome at a taqueria or a space or a context, and it's going to be really hard for you to evaluate that as, as a gringo from the city. But you might be creating a lot of discomfort in some people that are there. So I will very much suggest uh, you you take a you can try to do it and be extremely annoying, or you can try to understand that you're in a place where the relationship with these animals is slightly distinct. Oh, and I get that, and I don't care. I'm going to keep feeding the dogs. But but I will also say that, you know, if you find a dog that doesn't want to come over to you, like it's not, you know, it's not uncommon that I'll see people throwing rocks at dogs. And I'm not going to... What are you shaking your head? Of, oh, are you kidding me? I see that all the time. I see that all the time. Sometimes it's just pebbles and sometimes it's rocks. And, you know, and I'm not going to tell them to stop doing that. But I'm certainly going to be feeding the dogs. But if you, you know, because dogs are, are sometimes not treated well in these areas, sometimes they're adverse to human beings. So I also will not force myself on a dog and I won't I won't get close to a dog who even looks slightly like they're shying away from me. But if they come over and they look like they want something and they need something and and, and they want some friendship, I'm going to give that dog a hot dog. Ah, uh, yeah. I mean, you know, you know my thoughts about this. Next one. <laughs> well, well, actually tied to that one, our friend Dalton from Magamalate dropped in another suggestion that oh, okay. I like that's related to this that I'd never even thought of. Okay, okay, throw it. When you stop at the Oxo before the Palenque, be sure to buy the kids some candy. And nothing expensive, no Snickers, no nice chocolate. The sweeter... And the more colorful the packaging, the better, and the more excited the kids will be, you'll make their day. Yeah, I think that's way better. Because, yeah, yeah, buying candy for the kids of the mess, because that's amazing. Yeah, it's a great idea. There's always kids that are going to be happy, really happy to get this candy. Yeah, fully yeah, agree. I, I, I hear you, but there's also a thing in the USA where if you're, you're, you're giving candy to kids, uh, they might not think uh, well of you. Yeah, but that's because you're... Yeah, that's, that's just because your country has is going through some struggles. But in <laughs> yeah, Mexico, yeah, in Mexico, no struggles in Mexico. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, uh, bring sunscreen and a hat. Yes, even okay. if you're brown as me. Yeah, exactly. Um, have an old school GPS on hand. Keep it up to date. I'm not great at that. Yeah. But I got to tell you, I got to tell you, there have been times we've been in the middle of nowhere, couldn't get the, our phone service, and that GPS saved us and got us to where we needed to go. 
fully agree. Yes. And those GPS, asking directions doesn't hurt either. Yeah, you, you look terribly bad. Like, it doesn't give you any style points, but it helps. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. And, uh, you know, related to the same thing, If like, I like to chart out the path ahead of time on Google Maps. And what I've been finding lately is... If I, like, you, you can, you can go, I don't know, let's say from Guanajuato to San Luis Potosi, right? Like if we're going to go visit, uh, Malena at Via Suso, and then we're going to head to, uh, San Luis Potosi Centro and visit Tomas. If I put that route into, uh, into Google maps, Google maps allows me to ask it to find things on the way. And and you can ask it to find mezcal on the way. And it's remarkable to me how many mescaleros are actually on Google Maps now. Yeah, another pro tip on that one is use different words. So, so you can use mezcal, you can use agave, you can use destilado, you can use like even bar. And that is going to get you to a bunch of places that could be interesting. Pulque, you know, like you get Sotol. Like you just try a bunch of those words and you might get something real interesting. I love that. Okay, so now I've got, uh, as as we're now in the car, God, this is such a long episode, so now we're in the car, and uh, we're ready to drive finally, and I got this great suggestion from John Darby, our friend at Singusano, which is sort of like the Magema Latte of the UK? It is not sort, it is a subscription model for agave spirits in the UK, yeah, so it's like Magema Latte in the UK. There you go, <laughs> so here's here's a nice quote from John Darby. Hello, and Chava, and, and Roy. And listeners, if you put this out, I guess. Uh, John here from the Singrisano Project um, over in the UK uh, with my road trip tips. Um, always make an early start. Mescaleros don't tend to keep the same hours as bartenders, so get out early. Take cash. Be generous. Um, you'll know you'll you'll likely receive, you know, generous welcomes along the way. Um, and if you're spending time with a family that producer or family that, that, that makes their money, makes their way from selling agave spirits, then, um, you know, buy some. And you're obviously going to have favorites and lesser favorite ones. But if you've, someone's been generous with you, um, be generous back. Yeah, right. God bless you, John Darby. Now, I've traveled with John, and I think his idea of starting early and my idea of starting early are two different things. But to be fair... If we started out as early as I want to start out every trip, uh, we'd end up waiting for the mescaleros to wake up. Yeah. So I think a good time to start heading out 6 a.m. 6 a.m. Well, you know, it depends on, on the season. I'll also say that I think some of the best photography that I've ever gotten has been the, that just as the sun rises, which sometimes yeah, is 6 a.m., yeah. right in the middle of the agave field. But, you know, OK, if, if, if you don't care about the pictures, just that. Yeah, but just amazing to look at it, too. You don't need to take a picture. You're just going to look at it and be happy. There you go. Um, so also while we're driving something, I think you should realize that if you're driving on those big toll roads, the fast roads in Mexico, bear to the right. Bear to the right when you're driving. So there's this whole different process of passing in Mexico that doesn't really exist in the USA. It used to exist in the 1950s oh, called wait, the wait, suicide have- lane. 
Okay, what? sorry. Yeah, ex explain this, explain this. Yeah. yeah, yeah, So we used to call it the suicide lane, where there is no real passing lane. You have to pay attention to the traffic coming up behind you and the oncoming traffic, because it's not uncommon for somebody, you've got a two-lane road, one lane each direction, and the way that you pass is literally, even though there might be a car on each side, you just pass and the, the guy that you're passing moves over into, uh, uh, what do they call that, the gutter? The shoulder. Oh, like el uh, acotamiento. Uh, I guess it's just like the <laughs> it's the little lane that it's designated if you have problems when you're driving. Wait, there's a, and that's there's a special. There's a name for it. Yeah, acotamiento. Absolutely. Yeah. What does that translate to? Uh, I have no idea. Uh, acotamiento. I, I cannot think of the etymology of the word well, send, either. Send send the spelling of it. We'll put it in the notes if I can yeah. find a decent uh, translation. That's great. I didn't know. Yeah, yeah, very much. Uh, there's no nomenclature for it. But yeah, so just get to the right, let the good man behind you pass you, and it's no clashes of egos. Just some people have to go faster yeah. than others, and that's cool. Yeah. So the other thing that's related to that is turn signals. Like a guy coming up behind you that has, like, if, if you happen to be in one of those lanes and you're not in the acotamento. Acotamiento. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like they will turn on their left hand turn signal to say they, they want to pass you and they expect you to get over. That's what that signal means. But, you know, turn signals can be so confusing in Mexico. And, and the way that they use hazards can be so confusing in Mexico. I'd say if, if before you even use a turn signal, if you don't know exactly what you're signaling, maybe instead just use the hazard, slow down, let everybody behind you pass, and then do what you're doing. There was a, a story that one guy tells in his book about he turned on the his left-hand blinker because he was signaling that he was going to make a left, but to people in Mexico, sometimes that means, hey, go ahead and pass me on the left. And he got in a, an accident that cost him hours and hundreds of dollars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The I think the hazards are usually the sign to be like, hey, I'm confused. Hey, I'm going to do something unpredictable, basically. <laughs> so once <laughs> you put the hazards, it's like, I'm an unpredictable entity. Uh, brace yourselves. I wonder if I could get hazard lights to go on the back of my hats that I wear in Mexico. Because uh, I'm going to do something unpredictable. You think you're doing unpredictable stuff, but everything you do, it's really on brand. <laughs> fair, fair. Hey, and related to all of this, our friend Ben Schroeder of Pensador Mezcal, right? Uh, over in the UK also with our friend John, mm -hmm. right? So our friend Ben sent in this, uh, this audio suggestion. You've got to prepare yourself for the mordidas. So it's a good shout to um, take everything but a small amount, like maybe 100 pesos out of your wallet and stash the rest of the money in your bag so that when you get stopped and given a uh, unofficial on-the-spot fine, you can just open your wallet and be like, that's all I have. I'm sorry. That's, that's the best I can do. And it's amazing how those fines will tumble down when it looks like they're going to have to uh, take what they can get. Yeah, so that that bit of advice from Ben would have helped me on this most recent trip, where I ended up having to give two thousand pesos to an officer to in order for him to not impound our yeah, vehicle. Yeah, I mean, I, I would also prefer if uh, bribing was not the first um, default system that people had, but whatever's. Hey, we waited an hour and a half before finally saying, "Is there just a fine that we can pay?" <laughs> Whatever. Uh, yeah. But yeah. So, but, but yeah, that's that's not a, a bad idea. 
Okay. So also, uh, with regard to driving, here's another audio clip from our friend Sergio at Ultramundo. So maybe this is common sense, but my first suggestion would be avoid taking the highway by night, especially if you're planning on long-distance drives in remote areas. And always that you have the option, you want to take the paid highway. You might save a lot of time, and it's just safer. Yeah, I think that, again, like I, I will say that Mexico in general, usually almost all the time, is an extremely safe place, but you, you just don't want to be betting when there's no need. You know, I, I, I all of that, but I'll also say something that happened to me on a recent trip was I was driving pretty fast in, in broad daylight um, on a road, and I saw something way up ahead that looked to me like it was just like the shredded tire of a car. You know how like when a car drives yeah, too yeah, fast? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then uh, as we got closer, and I must have been going like 80 or 90 miles per hour, as we got closer, suddenly it moved and I realized it was a calf, like a baby cow. Okay. And yeah, like if I'd been hit, if I hit that, and it was broad daylight, so there wasn't really any fear of me hitting it. But I got to say, when I take off, I'll do this when I'm driving alone. I'll take off at four in the morning, five in the morning. It's dark out. The next day I had to do exactly that. And I went really slowly because I could see a calf in the middle of the day on a toll road, but in, in the middle of night, in the darkness. Yeah, and I think that's even a good piece of advice. Just, you know, like I, I don't trust anything. I just don't trust the world around me. And I think when you drive too fast, you are trusting a bunch of things to go the right way. And because it only takes one mistake to do irreparable damage in many ways, I would just recommend to take like, you know, like if you if you spend 30 minutes more on that road to get to a place, that's fine. Yeah, you know, I've, I've got a different view of that, but that doesn't surprise you. Anyway, so uh, we've got another quote that I want to run from John Darby. Um, this is John Darby again from Singusano. Um, don't get wasted. Um, but if you do, obviously don't drive. Um, and if you're coming from the UK like me, make sure you drive on the wrong side of the road. No, so, duh. <laughs> no, duh. Well, you know, you're saying no, duh, and I get that. Uh, but I, I got to say, one of the things that I figured out very recently, like in the last, I don't know, maybe year, is when I travel to visit Mescaleros, Mescaleras, uh, I now carry my own tiny copita. Oh, that's actually, yeah, I, I, I've seen you doing that, and I, I don't think that's a bad, bad approach. Well, yeah, because so often you'll go, uh, you'll show up, and they're being very hospitable, and they pour you a giant pour of their, their mezcal. And you, you, if you drink everything they give you with each pour, you know, this is, this is the, the Victor effing Ramos story, right? Like, you can end up, even if you didn't intend to, just trying to accept their hospitality, you can get pretty drunk, but you show up with a tiny little baby copita, you are the one who gets to regulate your drinking. Yes, or get a driver. Or get a driver, but, you know, I'll never do that. Yeah, I mean, I like, I like I like being in control of where I'm going and being able to stop and not relying on somebody and, you know, no extra, anyway. But, that, you know, Craig and I could also debate that for the whole day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so next one. Okay, Everywhere you go, get the names of the people that you're meeting 
get how they want to be referred to, right? Like, do they want to be called Mescalero? Do they want to be called Vinatero? Do they want to call Palenquero? Get their names, get their titles, and get permission if you're going to be taking pictures of them and their property, even if you're not planning on sharing it, because you never know, you might end up sharing it at some point. Yeah, I mean, you can literally travel with contracts and image releases with you, which will be extremely annoying. Uh, but you can also just take a videotape of them giving you permission if you feel like you need that. But, you know, I, I think it's helpful to have it in writing, not even necessarily in terms of, of covering yourself legally, but but just because it's sort of the same as uh, as the suggestion to label your bottles. You visit a dozen people on a trip, you can start forgetting, was it this last name or that last name? I think it's helpful to have it in writing. What I will also mention in relation to this is just before starting taking pictures and putting your phone in front of their faces, do ask them if they're cool with pictures. I think yeah. that's a really good practice. And then, For sure. and then whatever proof of that you need later on, like that's up to you. But just ask first. Yeah, 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 yeah. For just sure. Politeness. Yeah, I, and I'd, I'd also say everywhere you go, get phone numbers. Names, phone numbers, put that in your, right? Like GPS coordinates, uh, names of their husbands, wives, uh, fathers-in-law. Children. Uh, children. Dogs. All of those. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and, and everywhere you go, spend a little bit of money. We've got a great quote from Dalton of Magay Malate about that. When you commit to visiting a Palenque, you should also commit to at least buying one bottle as a group um, for their time and to thank them. Most mescaleros do not prefer to get tipped. They want to sell you the product that they worked on. I don't know if fully. I don't know if I fully agree with the idea of not tipping. I think a better way to do tipping is just pay extra for the bottle. But please, if you took an hour of their time and you tried a bunch of samples and you were sitting there, buy something for God's sake. Yeah. yeah. Like, Amen. just think think about it as you just paid for a tasting. Even if you didn't like the stuff, they give you an hour of their time and they made you, they, they, they got you to taste stuff. So just, just, I mean, that's, that should be obvious. You know, while I was waiting for you to get off your call before we recorded these episodes, I was talking with Roy and Roy and I had stopped by uh, a, a Mescalero's place in Michoacan on a recent trip. And uh, and he tasted something that he didn't necessarily like, but he bought the bottle anyway. And he he brought it with him uh, on his trip to Canada recently, just figuring eh, it's something I can share. He doesn't really care about it. And he tasted it again and he loved it. It went well, from something, right? So no, no, it happens all the time. Uh, one, like in one direction and the other. Sometimes you love it there, yeah, you get yeah. back home, and it's just like, what the hell was I thinking? Because you love the family, you love the place, you loved how it tasted in that context, and then when you are in a concrete box in the city, it doesn't make the trick anymore. So yeah, it, it's, yeah. and I, I think like. That's even a pro tip if you're someone that is buying mezcal for a brand or is trying to make business. Mistrust your palate on site. Always. <laughs> Always. What That's you're a nice way to phrase it. Do, like don't that. make significant purchases decisions there. Unless you have to. 
but mm. mistrusted completely. Funny. So, um, so while you're you're there and you're tasting with the the, the these producers, um, I find it's helpful to do two things. Like one is tell them where you're headed next. Ask them if they know anybody there because you might think you know everyone in the community, and it turns out you don't. Yeah, 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 yeah. Always but ask. The, but the other thing to do is also tell them where you're coming from. And if you've got bottles, offer to share that with them. You know, I'm, I'm reminded of the trip that we took uh, to uh, San Jose Rio Minas. Is that what it's called? I think that's what it was called. Um, where we were talking to Sebastian and he'd asked yeah, us yeah, if yeah. we'd ever tasted a, uh, a mezcal made from tepestate. Yes. Well, that, that yeah, that's fascinating. So right? you're basically bringing bibliography that is not in the local library in terms of drinks. Yeah. And then something I haven't done in a long time, but I was reminded of as I started going through my notes is I always bring a little bit of, of cash from the U.S. with me just because it's naturally in my wallet. And, the, you know, where, where Dalton's giving candy to kids, I've been giving them like dollar bills or I have in the past given them U.S. dollar bills. And they love that singing gringo money. Yeah, I think that's just kitsch. That just reminds me of, yeah, I, I, I don't know how I feel about that. Uh, I think that's kitschy, but sure. <laughs> it's kitschy? <laughs> yeah, that is like the stereotypical gringo putting a $1 bill in somebody's pocket. You know that image. <laughs> I guess I don't, know. Yeah, that is, uh, yeah, that, that's 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 not good optics, Lou. Uh, that's all I'm saying. <laughs> okay, then I'm going to take that one back. Everybody keep your dollars to yourself, at least when you're hanging out with Chuck. Uh, unless it's 10 and plus dollars. You can you can give those away, but don't, don't give $1 bills. Really? Yeah, no, like, I, I just I just think that's, yeah. Uh, okay. Okay. Wait, 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 hang on. So this this is not one of my tips, but now this has me wondering. So a $1 bill is eh, kind of the equivalent of a 20 peso note. Should I be leaving 20 peso notes yeah, as sure. the tip 50s. in the hotel room? 50s. 50s. 50s for the hotel rooms. Yeah. Oh, or more. didn't know that. Okay. I've been leaving yeah. like sometimes just like 10, 10 peso coins. Is that an insult? Yeah, that's not, that's not a lot. Let's just put it that way. Oh, that's fascinating. I had no idea. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, there you go. Hey, look at that. I just got a tip from my own tip episode. Mm -hmm. Hey, uh, so as you're driving from one community to the next, this is a, this is something that I picked up on one of my trips with Jason Cox. But when you're driving one community to the next, um, you'll see people walking. And if you've got space in the oh. in the well in the in any seat, front seat, back seat, whatever. Invite people to come with you, even if they're carrying machetes. Invite them in the, in the vehicle with you because, you know, they're probably going where you're going and they probably know people there. And you start having a conversation about what you're doing and suddenly you might you might find another mescalero you didn't know about. That's why I love public transportation. Explain. Well, during the bus to a town full with people of that town that are going there. And you can start talking to a bunch of people. It's like, hey, I'm going there for Mescal. Do you guys have any recommendations? And you have 15, 20 people you can talk about that. Have you actually done that? I, I mean, that's how I used to travel everywhere. That's how I used to get all my recommendations to places. No kidding. Yeah, yeah. Oh, fascinating. And a, so a bunch of times the trans public transportation is going to be a pickup with just uh, benches on the back when you're really going out there. So you have all the people in front of you, and uh, and you start talking naturally. Hang on a second. This is fascinating to me. So, like, I've seen buses that go to places. How do you how do you find 
that form of public transportation, the pickup. Urban, uh, there's, I mean, depending where you're going, it's almost like a gradient of the different public transportations that go from point A to point B, depending on how remote they are. So obviously, if you're going to a major city, okay, so yeah. I'll give you an example. I'm, I'm in Oaxaca, right? So from mm-hmm. Mexico City to Oaxaca City, I'm taking a bus. Right, then, a platinum well, bus. Yeah, so then <laughs> maybe, uh, yes, Adeo Platino. Uh, and then going to Matatlan, I might take one of the colectivos, which is are these taxis. Uh, they call it Taxis de la Muerte, the death cabs. Holds five <laughs> humans in there. And then There's from a Matat- song about that, right? Yeah, yeah, made by a very prominent uh, hardcore punk cumbia band that I might have been involved with. And then, if you want to go from there to, say, Miahuatlán, it, it starts getting murkier and murkier, which are your options in terms of the public transportation that is available. And you might have to do a bunch of stops in bigger cities, and they go into smaller and smaller towns. And I find that fascinating. You get to meet a, a bunch of people. The drivers are also great people to talk to, uh, just to better understand what's available in the area. Oh, I love that. You know, our friend Vinik um, uh, does tours, Vinik Hure does tours where that's specifically how he'll take you to these communities is on these uh, these forms of public transportation. I think it's amazing. I think you get to understand a country, a place, and it's buried in very deep ways by using this public transportation. For example, the fact that the LA subway looks the way that it looks makes me understand a lot about that city, right? So wait, 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 wait. You've been on the the subway in LA? Yeah, people told me I shouldn't have done that. And I agree (laughs) with them. But I but I got to understand a bunch about that city by by doing such a thing. And if I had just been in Ubers and, and cars the whole time, I will have never had that that bracket of or that understanding of the city oh, it's interesting you know I, I for years my brother and i were doing these um these long bicycle trips where we would cross you know like north dakota or we'd go from from uh, memphis to new orleans on bicycle and it was the same kind of thing for me right where i got to i got to be up close and personal with a place um in a way that i actually you know you're not wrong that i certainly don't with mexico that i think would be a fascinating in fact in fact so connie's doing do you know about connie's thing that she's doing yes i i am so jealous i i am so so jealous about her trip she's going with some of my heroes in the textile context to a trip around oaxaca it's women's only so i i was not invited unfortunately but uh yeah they're visiting a bunch of the rock stars of of the textile traditional textile world in in oaxaca but doing it entirely on foot like walking you knew this. Oh, I, oh. I, I didn't know the walking part. Yeah, 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 yeah. So she's walking for a week with all of these people going from one community to the next, which sounds like it sounds both crazy and beautiful all at the same time, which I think maybe describes my wife in general. I'm I'm not allowed to make any comments. I think she's perfect. So that's all that I'm going to say. <laughs> <laughs> and so I've got one last suggestion, Chava. Jesus Lord, we're at the 50 minute mark. So I hope it's good. <laughs> 
When you're going on these trips, be sure to journal every single day so that you remember everything that happened. You have never done such a thing in your life. I, I, I can't imagine you <laughs> taking a notebook and writing something down. Stop lying, Lou. Don't, don't, don't try to put that face. Dear diary, today I met the most wonderful mescalero. Well, okay, it doesn't work for me, but it might work for somebody else. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I journal every day. But when I'm traveling, I'm too exhausted. I can't do it. Wait, you hang on a second. You literally journal every day when you're not well, traveling? I would, I would, well, I'm, I'm going to say, I, I hate the word journal. I, I write every day for, a f for at least one hour a day. And uh, I, I do it every day. But when I'm traveling, I can't. Oh. You're just exhausted. You'd rather be walking around and looking at things than interacting with a piece of paper and your pen. You know, like you just use your memory when you come back and you're in your apartment and you do these things. Okay, fair enough. Anything else you want to add as a conclusion, Java? Oof, good Lord. Um, I think that one of the most important tips that I can give people is when you are going to a new city, try to go to their Central de Abastos, which is usually the non-touristic market that everybody will tell you that it's too dangerous, but that's where <laughs> all the beauty is. That's where all the ingredients, all the food, all the things you've never seen in your life are concentrated. So that is one of my pro tips. And and how do you find that? Just ask around. La Central de Abastos or the biggest market. And it's it's very obvious when you find those. And they're all called that? Everywhere? Uh, a Central de Abastos, yeah. And if they don't have a Central de Abastos per se, they're going to understand that you're trying to go to a place where the restaurants are buying their products. So usually where they're buying like larger quantities, yeah. Huh, cool. Okay. So I guess that's a wrap. And uh, if we've got any additional tips, we'll throw them on the webpage. And, oh, and if you, uh, Road Tripper, have any additional tips, send them to us and we'll add them to the, uh, to the webpage. Yes, indeed. Bueno, thanks for surviving <laughs> this. Adios. Hasta pronto. This has been Agave Road Trip, the podcast that helps gringo bartenders learn about agave spirits. Your hosts are Lubank and Chava Periban. Sound engineering by Roy Sierra. Theme song performed by Gabriel Oliveira and Mark Rico. Sign up to become a road tripper and listen to more episodes at agaveroadtrip.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, please let us know. And if you hated it, recommend it to your enemies. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Lou is in charge of our social media. So if he happens to sound like an old man, forgive him. He is one. Agave Road Trip is a production of 10 Angry Pitbulls, Inc. Agave Road Trip is powered by Simplecast. Thank you for listening to Heritage Radio Network. Heritage Radio Network is food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. To subscribe to the Heritage Radio Network newsletter, enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with Heritage Radio Network on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find Heritage Radio Network at facebook.com slash heritageradionetwork. 
Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. Heritage Radio Network couldn't do that without support from listeners like you. Become a part of the food world's most innovative community today. Subscribe to the shows you like. Tell your friends. And please join the Heritage Radio Network family by becoming a member. To become a member of the Heritage Radio Network, click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Heritage Radio Network can become addictive. Programming you here on Heritage Radio Network can drive you to eat, drink, and listen to more programming on Heritage Radio Network. If it drives you to drink, please do not drink and drive. Drink responsibly. Eat responsibly too. And listen to Heritage Radio Network responsibly. To listen to Heritage Radio Network responsibly, wear protective earbuds. While wearing protective earbuds, do not drive or walk. Sit in a comfortable chair. If that comfortable chair has a hard seat, please remember to get up and stretch every 30 minutes. If you get up and stretch every 30 minutes, do not stretch beyond your abilities. Stay within your defined stretching capacity and consult a doctor who specializes in stretching. If you do not have a doctor, listen to all the shows on the Heritage Radio Network. There has to be at least one doctor among the Heritage Radio Network podcast hosts. Thanks for listening. Agave Road Trip out.